0: Hypnosis continues to be used on us wherever we go, from politics to education to religion to marketing, advertising to Hollywood. It's everywhere. And top it off, we actually use hypnosis on ourselves. It's called self-hypnosis. So it starts there. What we often don't know consciously is how that hypnosis has effected. Affected us. And that's where Mm. the tragedy starts.
1: This is a joyful rebellion. The podcast that explores that moment you realize the life and success you worked so hard to create didn't come with all the fulfillment you thought it would i'm your host james walters and i want you to be the author of your own story each week i connect with people who inspire bold answers to the question what do i do now to create a life I love if you are ready to start answering that question for yourself you're in the right place so let's start a joyful rebellion My guest today is Susan Urban, a transformational coach and hypnotherapist who helps her clients become the best version of themselves by overcoming anxiety, fear, career burnout, or that feeling I know I've experienced of being stuck in a rut. And of course, that's only naming a few of the things that hold people back from leading their own joyful rebellion. Susan has gone through a few joyful rebellions of her own over the course of her life, and she brings that experience and energy into her work helping her clients find their own success toward the end of the interview we'll be talking about the benefits of hypnotherapy and if you're thinking it's all woo-woo and parlor tricks stick around to find out how big companies are using the principles of hypnosis on us every day yes even you so get comfy because this is our longest most info-packed episode so far been really excited to talk to you and i have been following you for a long time i don't know if it's years definitely more than a year i love your message and that's why i wanted to reach out and get you to talk about what you do so thank you for being here
0: it's a real pleasure and i had no idea that you were following me you poor thing <laughs> no, <laughs> no again thank you it's a real honor to share this with your community.
1: The thing that I noticed when I connected with your message was the fact that it was not the same thing I was hearing and seeing and reading in so many other places. It was certainly a message of motivation. It was helping people understand that a lot of what blocks them can be overcome and you can help them do that. Things like anxiety. I want you to talk a little bit about some of the major things you help your clients through. When people look around and they decide that they can do better, they want to do better, and they go to someone like you to help them do that, what's that conversation like?
0: I love how you phrased helping them through that, because the truth is we can get through anything. We are very powerful human beings. And one of my biggest goals with everything I post, everything I say, is to share with people on how they can empower themselves. And really share the message of, do you even realize how powerful you are and the things that you can achieve, regardless of perceived limitations that you may think you have? And I'm not saying they're not real. I'm not saying they're not because I've been there. Yes, they are real and you probably feel them and you sense them in your life. But when you understand that you can, through the power of your heart, mind, body, I say the sky's the limit. So the number one issue, James, again, this is a very generalized statement, but it really is anxiety. Anxiety is often tied to confidence. It's tied to energy. It's tied to performance. It's tied to helping somebody achieve their goals. My definition often is also sometimes associated to addictions, to our self-esteem, to feeling overwhelmed, to drowning in fear, worry doubt, specifically self-doubt. And I now understand because I understand how energy works, how emotions work, that when we hold on to these debilitating, and I'm saying that very consciously, it does feel debilitating. It feels crushing. But when we hold on to that, and when we often think that this is just how I am and this is how I've been for so long and there's nothing I can do, unfortunately Those powers, those energies, those emotions can tend to overpower us. And this is why I am such a fighter or a lover to help people overcome these limitations or issues, right? So often people don't realize that much of this is rooted in childhood. It is rooted in a memory. It is rooted in an event. And this is the good news. Okay. The good (laughs) news is that guess what? When you understand the root cause and when you understand how this trauma was created, and often PTSD can absolutely be linked to that. When you as the human being can consciously as well as unconsciously understand how that was created and why it was created and what Mm. you get to take away from it. I know it Mm. sounds almost like counterintuitive, but I can promise you that I so often like to use the word, get the gifts in the garbage or turn your scars into stars. Hmm. And that is the moment when people become so empowered. And that's when they will reconnect with their confidence that has been there all along, but it has been laying dormant.
1: And I know just based on some of the things that you talk about in your Facebook lives and You write a lot. You post a lot, which I really appreciate. That is Mm -hmm. such good information that you give. And if I had to guess, because I know you work with a lot of driven, successful people who have that underlying anxiety, maybe it's pulling them back from their peak performance, but it seems like you work with people who are already performing at a fairly high level. They just need your help to get where they want to be. Is that why you see so much anxiety? Because maybe those people are perfectionists. Maybe that anxiety got them where they are now and they just can't get to the next point until they learn how to function without it. So it's maybe their superpower is also the thing that's destroying them. You said it
0: absolutely perfectly. Yes, to all of that you just said. Yes, I love to work with highly motivated, success-driven people. Here's simply why. Because they know what they want they have goals, they often also have this ability to consider a win-win situation. In other words, they're not necessarily the most self-absorbed. They're so generous often. They want so much for everybody as well as themselves. And I admire that quality. And just like you said, James, that thing, that anxiety, that stress, that pressure that you have to be perfect, it has to be right, can certainly work. But it will only get you so far because eventually what will kick in is a massive depletion and exhaustion, which in our society and these days is called burnout. Mm. And unfortunately, though, on the flip side, and you probably know this, we all know this, that burnout is almost glorified. It's somehow Mm. we should be striving to work 60 to 80 hours a week and we should push and we need a kick in the, you know what? And again, it can work, but only for so long. And then something will give, either a relationship or the relationships around us, our health, and Mm. of course, certainly our performance. There is a price to pay for that.
1: That is absolutely something I've experienced. I experienced it halfway through my career, and I was operating on a pretty high level at one point within my craft, and... I just lost the love for it because I wore myself out doing it and I still loved it. So, this is my year of reconnecting with the craft, rekindling the love because I still loved it. I just needed to step away for a little while and figure out how I can do it without running myself into the ground. So, when you do have someone who's highly motivated, they come to you and they just need the skills. How do you start the conversation with them, taking them from where they are to, obviously, you like to work with people who have goals, so you understand how you can help them. So how do you start that conversation? What do you walk them through?
0: I like to call that pre-qualifying somebody. And again, not to sound arrogant, but as you say, we have to make sure that you're ready because working with me is work. It's not a magic wand or something we do in a five-minute process. Therefore, I ask a lot of questions. Maybe in a nutshell, some of the questions are, what are you happy with right now in your life? What really works well? And if you could change something, what would you like to change? At that point, a person will typically start to open up and say, oh, if this were different or that were different, now we already understand. And then I will ask them, what are the ramifications? How is that problem a problem? How is that showing up? What about that problem is bothering you? And then, of course, let's fast forward a little bit and imagine if you were to never fix that, what would that then create in your life? And I take them through a little bit of darkness so that they can really understand it. Because sometimes we don't understand the problem. We think, oh, it's just this little thing. But then when we fast forward and when we truly notice the details in how is this affecting your relationships, how is this affecting your confidence, your motivation, your energy, your health, right? And let's imagine we don't fix this, right? What are the ramifications? And are you willing to settle for that? Or I will ask them on a scale of one to 10, how close are you to that goal? And do you have the skill set, right? Do you have the strategies that will help you? And that is often when people will see, wow, I didn't know what I didn't know.
1: It totally makes sense. I'm actually working on a, a book that is basically about hard life lessons. I've learned getting the really good nuggets of wisdom from those, what you said to make your into stars. It really follows along with that. And one of the things I've noticed over my life is that a lot of times people will say they're doing the best they can. And that's not really true. They're doing the best they know how. So, when they upgrade their skills, they do better. So, it's true that a first grader is doing the best they can when it comes to math. They can do first grade math. But Next thing they know, they're a second grader and they're doing second grade math. So, it was the best they could at the time. But as long as you keep investing in yourself, investing in your development, you get better and better. You do the best you know how. It allows people to give themselves some grace. If they aren't able to upgrade their skills as quickly as they want, they know they can still do it and that gives them the ability to be patient. Mm. But a huge reason I wanted to talk to you about this is because so often I see business coaches, I see personal development people in that space, and their lives look very glossy and perfect. And they're preaching a certain way of being to their clients and get rid of the anxiety in this seven-step program, whatever it might be. And As I dug a little deeper into your story, I saw that you fit so well into this podcast because you've had on a couple of different levels in your life, a joyful rebellion of (laughs) your own. You had some things you had to really get over as a child, but then you were 21, you decided, oh, you're going to make this huge move. And you moved from your country, you moved to the US and to one of the most probably intimidating cities in the US. So, what Happened when you looked around and said, I need to change my life and this is what I'm going to do. And what were the next steps? How did that? And the reason I want to talk about this just briefly is I want to set the scene for anyone listening to know that you're not telling anyone anything to do that you probably haven't already done. You've done the homework for all of your clients because you've lived through it. And you can tell them life is good on the other side of it. So walk us through a little bit of what you had to go through to get where you are into the level of understanding you have now.
0: I would love to go back to what you said. And then, of course, I will share with you. You mentioned the word grace, which is so beautiful. And if it's okay to give our audience a little gift, not that this is going to solve everything, but you said people are doing the best they can. And I often add, And again, keep in mind, I know this isn't going to solve everything, but so often we look at our parents and we would say something like, oh, they should have done a much better job. We look through such judgment and blame and shame often. And the truth is they did the best they could with what they had, which often wasn't much. For me, that was so helpful to give my parents grace and to be like, they really didn't have much and maybe they were incompetent parents and that's okay because most people are incompetent parents. doesn't mean that their intentions weren't good. Implementation, maybe not so good, but intention, good. And so like you said, James, grace. I think it's important that we do this for ourselves too. I'm doing the best I can with what I have. And if I want Mm. to have more, maybe it's time to invest. Maybe it's time to learn. And that is when we need to give ourselves permission to say, you know what, I deserve this. I want to level up. I want to be better. Because if you ask me, what is the purpose of life? The purpose of life in my vision, in my experience is number one, to love, to experience love and to give love and to grow and to learn through that lens. Then there's always room for more. And there's never really a destination, but it just becomes a journey and experience. And I don't want to go off, but how the heck did I end up in New York? This is crazy because this is something I probably didn't share in my story that I often post online. So here is the drama of my childhood. First of all, I think the biggest challenge, let's put it that way, when I look back, this is why it was the biggest challenge because I felt incredibly helpless. I felt so different. I felt doom and gloomed. I felt like I was being punished. And that is, I grew up with a stutter. I stuttered until I was 20 years old. And if anybody saw the movie, The King's Speech, please forgive me for saying it, but it did absolutely not justice. It was in a fabulous movie. It was absolutely fabulous, beautifully created. But from my perspective, it did not do it justice for the emotional pain and turmoil and panic that I felt every single day because I felt humiliated, I felt embarrassed, I felt please don't call on me, please I hope I don't have to talk today. Needless to say I was social recluse. It created total disconnection from humanity because the last thing I wanted to do was talk. And believe it or not, to this day, this is what created the introvert inside of me, the almost like a loner. But as an adult today, I absolutely appreciate it. It feels comforting and it feels good to be that introvert and to be shy. And again, I get to turn it on or off. And that's incredibly mm. empowering. I still love, love, love to spend time alone. That's like my favorite thing is just when I'm alone. Anyhow, so that there was that. And I believe that's what created these huge self-esteem issues, anxiety, depression. At 16 years old, I absolutely was suicidal. I just didn't know what to do with myself. And back then, it wasn't like go to a psychologist. Nobody could possibly understand what I'm going through because you know what it's like to walk in somebody else's shoes. How do you even do that? Yeah, we try, but mm-hmm. it's impossible. Then I love this raised James joyful rebellion. There were some other inconveniences in my childhood. <laughs> let's just say driven to be a perfectionist. And there was some physical, mental, let's just leave it at that because I don't like to throw people on a bus, but it certainly created a huge pressure cooker inside of me. It was just so much I could take. And I had this epiphany. And by the way, When I was in Austria, when you're in second grade, you start to learn a second language, which was English back then. And I still can't explain, but for some reason, I fell in love with the language. And in the back of my mind, don't ask me why, I said to myself, one day, I'm going to live in London or New York. And that was almost like a declaration. And that continued to ruminate in the back of my mind. And then when I was 21 and at 14 years old, there's another, what is that called? Well, you have to make a decision. You either get to go to a higher school, as we call it in Austria, or you get to decide what craft you're going to practice and what job you want to, what career you want to go after. Long story short, I really wanted to become a nurse because I knew I wanted to help people. And for some circumstances, whatever, it was too crowded, this and that. My mom decided I should become a hairdresser because it was just convenient. They always make money. There's a shop that just opened up down the block. You should this and you should that. And my mom was a dominating parent. I wouldn't dare disagree or disobey. Or it was one of those seen, not heard relationships. And obviously, I was like, oh my God, the last thing I want to do is have to talk to people. I was so terrified. (laughs) And trust me, it didn't go well many ways. but. I became an exceptional hairstylist. I became that perfectionism thing, right? That was already installed in me. Anyway, fast forward at 21 years old, I was like, I need to get away. I'm done. I need out. I need to leave. And I want to get far as far away from here as possible. And here's the crazy story. This was a decision. I'm like, I'm doing this. I don't know how. I don't know what I'm going to do. I have no money, really. I had nothing. There's no such thing as coincidences. We used to have this paper in Austria that that was filled with thousands of ads. Anything you want, you find it in that paper. There's an ad that said hairdresser wanted for New York. You can't make this up. <laughs> Anyhow, fast forward. This is how I ended up here, and everything just aligned for me. Everything just worked out perfectly. Yes, that person who posted was legit. He was going to sponsor me. I came here with one suitcase. James, I will never forget when I landed at JFK, the smell and the energy. I can still taste it and smell it and feel it. It was a feeling of, I have landed. I'm home. This is my home. It felt completely authentic, like this is it. The crazy story was because I couldn't afford a direct ticket at a layover in London. And guess what they told me in London? This woman says, there's a problem with your ticket. You can't possibly go to New York because th- there is something wrong. I started to cry like, but I don't know what to... Anyhow, this very aristocratic looking British gentleman working for British Airways, he literally was like, listen, young lady, go take the subway or whatever it's called in, in London you have eight hours. I will handle this. When you come back, you will have your ticket ready. Come to this counter and it will be waiting for you. And sure enough, it did. So even though there were these obstacles, I arrived. And that was the beginning of my freedom. And coincidentally, that is also when I finally, truly experienced fluidity in my speech.
1: Oh, it w- yes. Okay, that yeah. that makes a lot of sense because you were being you now. Yes.
0: I really, yeah. I had nobody. But again, I'm used to having nobody. That's great. That's not a problem. I did have people, but so many of my friends in Austria would be like, you bought a gun. You you crazy, right? <laughs> was, there were so many warnings. But honestly, for me, I'm like, what are they talking about? New York is the greatest city in the world. That was my vision of New York. And that's it there was no dangerous. So that's how I write
1: I just meant before i meant intimidating, like it the scale, the massive there, the Frank Sinatra song, if you can make it there, <laughs> you can make it anywhere. And yeah. just, it seems like a place that would, that could consume you and you would get lost pretty quickly. So that's what I mm. meant by intimidating, but not dangerous necessarily, but I know everywhere is, you can't. You can't discount that. As the so, Austrian
0: definition of intimidating is get it gone because New York is dangerous. So now you know.
1: Now we know. Now we know. Okay. <laughs> All right. Once you got over here, it sounds like you really came into your own and you were a hairdresser for a time. But I remember reading, and this is so true, I, stereotypes are stereotypes for a reason. I always feel sometimes they're not agreed with, but you said on your website that as a hairdresser, you started to feel more like a therapist and that got you thinking about next steps. And what's the line from being told you should be a hairdresser to doing what you do right now? It's not a straight line. It's a very curved line, I'm sure, with lots of twists and turns, but fill us in on the last however many decades. Yeah. Since well, then.
0: It's, it was quite a process. I'm not that fast. It was a process because Then I realized I already knew that this is not my passion. This is not something I want to do for the rest of my life. And believe it or not, through that, I know what I don't want. I didn't quite know what I did want, but I decided what I really want is, again, help people. And that's when I started to get interested in fitness and nutrition and helping people empower themselves through their bodies. I decided to become a personal trainer, a fitness trainer, nutritionist. I actually had a 20-year fitness business that was, again, very successful, very popular and incredibly rewarding until it wasn't. I realized consciously as well as unconsciously that this anxiety was wherever I was going. The depression was always lingering underneath. My major insecurities about myself, the self-esteem stuff. Plus, what I also didn't realize is that I held so much rage within me and that impacted my relationship with my husband in a big way, with my children. Talk about doing the best you can with what you have. There was just so much bundled up energy that I didn't know what to do with. And in time, I said, oh my God, I need help. I know what I don't want. This is hurting me. This is ruining my relationships. I still don't feel like myself. And that's when I started to go to therapy and I looked for outside help. We even did marriage counseling. And obviously I'm framing this in a very quick way in what happened over a couple of years, therapy was good and it was useful. But after going to therapy for quite a few years, I still didn't really have the confidence. I still feel this major uncertainty. I still have... Anyhow, there was so much not right yet with me. And I Mm -hmm. was incredibly disappointed and dissatisfied with the help I was receiving. And it wasn't just one therapist I saw. I tried and At the same time, I started to watch a lot of Tony Robbins videos and something started to click because I'm like, wait a minute. Okay, Tony Robbins never went to college. He's not a psychologist, not a psychiatrist, he's not a medically trained expert, but his clients are Bill Clinton and Mikhail Gorbachev and a couple of athletes at the time. I said, what does he do that these people work with him. And again, he's not a medically trained anything, not to judge, but I was so curious. And that's when I learned about Tony Robbins That what he studied was NLP and timeline therapy. And I'm like, oh my God, I want to learn that. That sounds like a completely different attitude and mindset and modalities possibly. Fast forward, long story short, Another coincidence, Tony Robbins and I actually happened to attend the same school to get certified in NLP, Timeline Therapy and Hypnosis, which is something I found out while I attended the Tad James School. And once I discovered those tools and I began to implement them, it changed my life. It changed me, was everything I was looking for. And at the same time, I was like, oh my gosh, this is what I need to be doing. This is what my real mission is and my real purpose. Because it was an undeniable experience, James. It was like, wow, if this works on me, and not to sound like I'm diminishing, but I really thought that's just how I am. This is how I'm wired. These are Mm. my genetics. And I just didn't really believe after trying all these things. I'm like, these therapists, these medically trained experts tried everything with me and nothing worked. So I thought that was the dead end. Yeah. So that's how I got to what I'm doing.
1: That's fascinating. I want to go back to something you said a little while ago, because it ties in. And I've been talking about this book. I looked, I guess it was at the end of 2022, I wanted to make a list of books Mm. to read. And so, I looked on YouTube, I looked out on the internet and said, hey, what book should I read in 2023? Every single list, and I don't mean half of them, I don't mean nine out of 10, it's 10 out of 10 lists had The Body Keeps the Score. And I'm not sure if you've oh. read that book, but it's about trauma yeah. and about how your body stores trauma. Mm-hmm. And it depends on the type of trauma, whether medication can touch it or talk therapy can heal it. It's a fascinating read. And the more I read, the more I thought, oh, gosh, I must have been left alone a little too much between the ages of one and two, because it will very much give you the list of things that apply to you. If that's the case, or maybe you had something else happen in your childhood that you don't remember, but your body does, and it manifests in certain ways. But when you started talking about, you got to the point where you just felt like that was the, how do they say it, the hand of cards you were dealt with your Mm -hmm. life, your anxieties, your depressions, your the way you felt, and you were doing all of these things to try to get past it. None of those things was working until you unlock something that is viewed by a lot of people as unconventional. Mm -hmm. I just want to acknowledge the fact that it's amazing that you took that extra step. You didn't stop. You weren't defeated. And you didn't say, well, this is just how Susan is. And I'm just going to have this until life is over. You kept going and you kept being curious. And I think curiosity is one thing that helps people overcome. So tell me what got you into that school. Was it just your research into Tony Robbins and his journey?
0: Well, it was. So I didn't know that Tony Robbins went to that school. I found it out while I was in that school. I guess what I Googled or what I researched was who provides the best neuro-linguistic programming training. And believe it or not, I'm embarrassed to say, even though I was aware that hypnosis was part of the training or at least an introduction to hypnosis, to me back then was like, hypnosis, like who cares? It's a bunch of woo-woo and whatever. I had no idea what hypnosis was. However... Several times, Tad James came up as one of the best schools, and that's how I ended up there. I took a huge leap because that meant I had to leave my family for two weeks. I had to invest, I don't even remember, it was over $10,000. So it was like one of those, I'm either going to do it all the way, or um, I don't like to dabble in things. And it was the best thing I Mm -hmm. did. So that's how I ended up with that
1: school. Let's dive a little deeper into that because you work with highly successful driven people who have to overcome their anxiety, their perfectionism, their whatever it is that's holding them back. You work with them with these techniques. Are they coming to you as a person who's maybe tried the therapy? They've tried the business coach, they've tried other things. And then they're saying, Susan, I know you do something different. I've heard about it. I know you do something that has worked for a colleague. What does that situation typically look like to where you can get their trust to explore some of these new modalities? You
0: describe the ideal and the most prominent client, just like me. I have already tried all these things. The therapy, many of my clients when they first come to me are already not on just on one medication, but on several medications. Mm. They often experience this, I am disappointed, I am defeated, I still don't feel well. I want more. And most of the time, it's either that they read or watched my testimonial stories, or like you say, they come through on it from a recommendation. Many, many people reach out because of my Facebook lives. And then, of course, by now, there are doctors who know me in the area. There are just so many different resources that people come from all over the place. I just also want to share something. I think that's really important. When you talked about the book, The Body Keeps the Score, One of my cute little phrases is the issues are in the tissues. And one of the very first questions Mm. I will often ask my clients is, how is your body feeling? I want to share a quick Mm. story here with you because there's so much proof in the pudding, so to speak. Just two days ago, had a conversation with young 40-year-old man who his wife basically threatened to leave him because the main reason, she said, is because you're emotionally unavailable. And she said, I can't take it anymore. By the way, he didn't even know what that meant. Emotionally unavailable, he had to Google it. And the question I asked him before I even asked him about how is your body feeling? I said, does your wife have issues with her thyroid? He sat back, he was like, Mm -hmm. what? He says, how do you know? I said, based on what you just told me. And he said, she does. So for example, and this is a huge generalization, but believe it or not, most of the time applies. Thyroid issues are generally about somebody not expressing what's really on their mind due to fear of people judging them, shaming them, blaming them. They may not feel safe to express themselves. They may feel inferior or any other things. And clearly, this woman has been holding everything bottled up inside of her, not feeling safe, not feeling heard, quite frankly. In this relationship, she felt like. He doesn't even Mm. get me. Like, no matter what I say, he doesn't understand me. He doesn't get me. He doesn't hear me. He doesn't care about me. That's her interpretation, in fairness to him. That's her. But just like you said, in the book, the body keeps the score. The physical body always communicates with us. If you love books, the book, Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill, one of the first things and he, by the way, if you read between the lines... He insists on the most important task, we as humans, if we want to manifest powerfully and if we want to achieve our goals, is to release negative emotions. People don't really know what that even means. Like, how do you know you have negative emotions? What does that mean and how do you do it? And yet it is one of the most powerful things you can do for yourself. If you are somebody, like as a listener, and you are experiencing chronic unsolvable issues in your body, whether it's tension or physical pain that just doesn't go away, or maybe it's a dis-ease. And not to scare you, I actually am saying this to comfort you because so often just, yes, this is, let's circle back to that. This is so often even with anxiety, I've tried everything. I've been to every doctor. I've seen the specialist, all the experts. And by the way, those doctors, experts, they have done an outstanding job helping you. They were brilliant but they can only do so much with the training they've had. And the training they haven't had is let's look into the emotional body. That is the missing piece. And so if there is a chronic issue that doesn't go away, no matter what you do with nutrition, with medication, with mobilization, right? So often, yes, doctors are great at the physical, at the mechanical parts of us, as well as Psychologists, they work with the conscious mind. That's wonderful. But there's more. And so every mm. chronic issue slash illness has some kind of emotional memory base at the root. And once you solve, that's when you open up that flow of energy. And by the way, not just emotion, but so often the biggest blocks that people have is not just emotional self-doubt, fear, anxiety, but then the attachment of I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy. I don't deserve Mm. this. Who do Mm. I think I am? That little inner critic that sits there uninvited, but so dependable. Those are indicators that has to go. Like what my clients know me, I'll be like, Gabby, that has to go because it takes (laughs) up real estate. And guess what? Wouldn't it be more useful if we could get rid of that inner critic, which by the way, please don't judge the inner critic because I can assure you. It has positive intentions, but the implementation hmm. sucks. So, sorry, not sorry. So, and again, it's often just that little piece that's missing. It's that emotional body clearing.
1: You just jogged my memory when it comes back to the thyroid, mm-hmm. for example. And I think just to paraphrase what I've seen you say is that if you have a thyroid issue, that's not the issue. It's yes. a symptom of the real issue. Perfectly. I'm just saying what I've read you say so many times, but It really made sense when you gave that story about the thyroid, because I'm sure you blew him away when you said, does she have that issue? And he's like, yeah, why would you know that? We haven't been talking about her necessarily, but you knew what she was likely going through given the feedback, her feedback for him. So now there's a lot of work to do on Mm -hmm. both of their parts, right? She needs to express more before it gets to critical stage and he needs to keep Googling what emotional availability Well, in all fairness <laughs> to her,
0: I mean, if I could, not that she's here, but if I could give her advice, what you just said, actually, I probably wouldn't urge for her to keep talking and keep, because the truth is he doesn't even hear her yet. He doesn't mm. even understand her yet. In fact, he signed up immediately to my Total Transformation Program because we get to help him develop emotional intelligence that is really what's missing for him because here's the thing. And for him, there's so much misunderstanding because he's like, but I thought I was doing everything. I was fixing everything around the house. I'm the provider. I thought I was doing everything. He's so hurt and he should be. And all she wants is somebody to hear and say, hey, sweetheart, this is what I'm hearing. How does that make you feel? And she just wants to I have somebody there is, oh my God, I can't imagine what that feels like. Tell me more. And he just wants to fix everything, right? And so there is that disconnect. So sure. first, I think it would be really useful for him to learn how he can connect with his wife better so that she can feel appreciated and validated because he doesn't need her to make money. Yeah, There's that whole disconnect, right? In fact, For her, right now, if she's open, she just needs to be patient for him to catch up to that emotional level that she's at, if that makes sense.
1: Oh, it makes a lot of sense. I've lived that life and let him know the support group meets on Uh. Thursday mornings for all the guys trying to figure out what emotional availability is. I've been through that journey myself. I have explored that for the last several years, so I've gotten better. But by no means for most men are we rewarded in our youth for exploring that. We need to be driven and go get that career, crush those goals day in, day out. It's very Mm -hmm. transactional, a good part of our life, outside of our relationships, I would have to say. But our work life that means so much to us to be able to provide, be able to get those goals, they don't have a whole lot to do with that emotional availability. So I can very much sympathize and empathize with
0: This is what I consider, and this sounds very dramatic, and it's meant to sound dramatic. This is the biggest crime against men, that they grew up with this total emotional disconnection. You have to be a man, suck it up, boys don't cry, stand up straight. The only thing that was permissible. Is that an English word? I hope it is. To man is anger and humor. It's either they express through anger or humor. And then they grow up and they get into a relationship and the wife wants to know, sweetheart, how do you feel? And he's like, what? He's (laughs) so confused. This is so often the biggest crutch in a relationship, in a marriage, in a man-woman relationship, that a man was taught you have to suppress your feelings. You have to suppress your emotions. You have to show up, you have to stand up, you have to pretend that you're tough. And guess what? Pretending works very well because eventually the subconscious mind buys in and boom, yeah, let's go pretend. Let's dominate. And that's useful and powerful. But what about those other parts that have been suppressed? They will express themselves. Once again, when I talk about physical manifestations, that is the highest expression. That is then often when, oh my God, Mm. red flags were ignored. Guess what? The body's going to ramp it up. There's a lot there with men and emotions. In fact, the other thing I love to state is that your emotions are your most powerful superpower. And when Mm. we can become intimate and very close and begin to communicate with our emotions, oh my gosh, it's life-changing.
1: And then when you get into that discussion about emotions being a superpower. And they look at you and say, wait, Susan, what emotions? I've got I've to figure this out. How does that go? How do you-
0: <laughs> I, I don't tell them that yet. No, no, no. That comes later. Okay. I'm just sharing this today. That is certainly not one of the first things we do. First, it really all comes down to, let's look at the ramifications. If you continue doing the way you're doing, being the way you're being, thinking the way you're thinking, what are the ramifications ultimately? And when we can fast forward that, forgive the term, but doom and gloom future, and when they understand it, oh my gosh, right? Actually, there's a potential that I'm going to get sicker. I'm going to become even more tired. I'm going to lose more focus and not be able to show Mm. up the way I need to. And the truth is, this is also where we get to ask What's your standard? What do you actually want? Because not everybody is ready to always take action. Sorry to say, but the the truth is we all have a different threshold of what we are willing to tolerate, right? There are people who go to the doctor, they smoke, they drink, and the doctor says, man, if you don't stop this now, you have another month. And they're like, all right, another month, maybe not. And the other guy gets the same message and he's like, wow, I need to change now. So we got to figure out what's my threshold. There's always a price to Mm -hmm. pay.
1: Yes, there is. When people come to you and they want to get to the next level in their life, what would you say are the top three things they come to you to help them with outside of, I know we've talked a lot about anxiety.
0: I would say the big three, and I think this is almost for everybody, the big three, we all, unless we have done the training, unless we have the skill set, the big three are always relationships, career, and health not in this order, obviously, but Mm. think about it. As an example, when I finally overcame anxiety and when I finally became the person that I want to be and I am happy to be and when I finally got to love myself, it changed everything. It changed how I treat myself in my health, in my nutrition, how I treat my children, how I treat my husband, how I prioritize things in my work, how I put myself out there. It's that phrase, how we do anything is how we do everything.
1: Mm. Yeah. So if you fix the relationships, you fix the health and then you fix the mindset.
0: Because you gain a different perspective and you also Mm. gain an understanding of the resources that have been laying dormant that you didn't know you had. Hence, emotions. (laughs) That eventually we get on the topic of emotions because in our society, there's bad emotions and there's good emotions. In my world, there is no such thing as bad or good. All of them are useful. How are you using them? Did you learn Hmm. how to use them Hmm. so that they can serve you? Emotions are your servant. But as with anxiety and depression, guess who becomes the master? The emotions become the master. The fear and the overwhelm and the worry Hmm. and the doubt. That becomes the master when you're somebody who has anxiety and the perfectionism, right?
1: Absolutely. What type of client is most suited to use some of the techniques like the hypnotherapy, the NLP? Walk us through how you work through that with someone and what it is for someone out there who's thinking, oh my gosh, we're about to talk about hypnotherapy. Should I turn it off now? No. (laughs) (laughs) Hang out for a minute. Yeah, walk us through... Who's a great candidate for it and in general, how it works? What's the flow?
0: Who's a great candidate? Good question. If you are somebody who right now feels, this is a word I hear so often, if you feel stuck or blocked right now, perfect candidate. Mm. If you feel like no matter how much I do, no matter how many certifications, no matter how much time I invest, no matter how hard I try, I'm already qualified. I'm educated. I am smart. I'm brilliant. no, I just can't get ahead. I'm, I, keep, I feel like I keep taking two steps forward and three steps back. That makes a perfect candidate. Or quite frankly, if you are starting to begin to experience those chronic issues in the tissues, as I said, mm. and not to brag, but in that case, believe it or not, hypnotherapy can be one of the most, I want to be careful how I say this. But no, this is not an exaggeration. One of the most powerful and rapidly working tools known to me. That's how I want to say it. Known hmm. to me. Okay? okay. There might be something better, bigger. I don't know. Known to me, because this is the evidence that and the experience that I've collected up until now. So those are and again, if you're right now somebody who's frustrated, you look at your subject, I've invested so much and I've worked so hard, then this would be useful to you. And here's the other way I like to say it. What tool I use and when, if you ask me, should be less important and what should be more important is, what is the goal and can I help you? And do you want my help? I think hmm. because here's why, and this is a great example that I love to use from dental medicine. Imagine I have a pain and I go to the dentist, I'm like, oh my God, this pain is just—it's so, uh, unbearable. Please, can you help me? And the doctor will say, yeah, no problem. You need a root canal. It's going to take us 20 minutes. It's going to cost $900. In other words, am I really going to be concerned with, yeah, but what tools are going to use, doctor? Are you going to use, no, no, you can't use that scalpel. Oh, that's too, are you sure that tool isn't too big? (laughs) Of course, I teach my clients how to use NLP and hypnotherapy. Eventually, I teach them. But initially, just to get the job Mm. done and to get the show on the road, my perspective would be. Shouldn't we just get started? And trust me, because that's my job, is to implement the right tool at the right time so that you can get the biggest and fastest breakthrough. And then after, I will share with you, just like maybe the dentist might say, hey, from now on, this is how you can prevent this problem in the future. But right now, his job Hmm. is, please, I have this pain. Can you help me?
1: What are some of the misconceptions you deal with when it comes to those Mm -hmm. tools and getting people... To a comfort level. Obviously, if they're coming to you, they have a pain, they want the pain to go away. So they're going to trust you to make it happen. But do you ever get pushback that you have to work through? And if you do, what does that look like?
0: Actually, when a person, for example, decides that they're going to work with me, typically I don't experience any more pushback because by then we have developed enough rapport, enough comfort. And the person's like, hey, you know, I want to work with you. So in that case, it comes a smooth ride. But so often, obviously, people who watch my lives or YouTube videos or whatever, like you said, James, they hear the word hypnotherapy and they run. This is where <laughs> if people are open to it, this is what I want to share about hypnotherapy. Because so often people will think hypnotherapy is bad, dangerous or ridiculous. And the truth is, I don't blame you one bit. I used to think the same exact thing. This is what we have been told and taught to believe by society, culture, mainstream media, and all that. And the truth is, hypnotherapy, or let's say hypnosis, can be bad, dangerous, and ridiculous. It can, And it truly comes mm. down to the intention and the beholder. Because in my definition, mm. in my perspective, in my world, hypnosis is a very powerful tool. And I want to clarify a little bit more about this. It's just like a knife. Somebody who uses a knife who's confident and competent in their skill level and uses it for positive intentions going to have a wonderful outcome, right? But can a knife be used for bad? So that's one. So for those skeptics, I actually appreciate your skepticism. I love that you're skeptical. That means you are willing or maybe already have done some of the education, sought information, and maybe up until now, this is what you have believed. And again, I have no problem with you believing that. But what you may not know about hypnosis or hypnotherapy is that, and this is something the well-informed, the rich and famous, the elite, top athletes, prominent actors, high achieving CEOs, they all know these three facts about hypnosis. Hypnosis has been used on us from the time we were born. Hypnosis continues to be used on us wherever we go from politics to education to religion to marketing, advertising to Hollywood. It's everywhere. And top it off, we actually use hypnosis on ourselves. It's called self-hypnosis. So it starts there. What we often don't know consciously is how that hypnosis has affected us. And that's where Mm. the tragedy starts. But when you can become consciously aware, and this is something I teach every client, what is outside of your awareness is outside of your control. What is outside of your awareness Mm -hmm. is outside of your control. So if you don't, quote unquote, speak hypnosis, it will go right over your head. Or shall we say, into your head. Sorry to say it like that. Into your head. Just like learning how to speak Chinese or Greek or Russian. Once you speak the language, it can no longer be used on you. Then you can actually recognize it and handle it. And then information that may want to come in, you can immediately be like, reject, delete. No, not with me. Not now. Not ever. And instead, you can begin to give yourself suggestions wow. that will empower you, that are useful to you, that will help you become the person you want to be.
1: That's fascinating. It's like fish doesn't yeah. notice the water.
0: James, notice you make this so all the easy. Things being Thanks. put into us. But when I say 30 minutes, oh, three seconds, that's what I But seriously, that was brilliant.
1: We had to get through the explanation because I didn't realize any of what you just said. The fact that we are being bombarded with it is what it sounds like all the time. And we have no idea. I didn't have an idea. I certainly understand the power of suggestion and some of the reasons behind marketing and some of the reasons why you might hear certain types of music in, mm-hmm. in stores or restaurants to excite mm-hmm. your hunger, for example, that makes a lot of sense. But to understand that we are really being exposed to hypnosis in our everyday life, I would say 99% of the people have never even thought of that before. And they
0: don't want you to know that. This is why Western culture or social media or whatever is trying so hard to make hypnosis look like, oh, it's this stage show in Las Vegas and it's ridiculous and it's hilarious. And like I said, it can be that, but it's so much more. May I share like mm. just a little bit of a nugget on the three ingredients that are necessary for hypnosis to work so that you guys that. can start to connect the dots and be like, oh, now I see it's here and it's here and it's here and you can start to become curious about it and notice it's everywhere. So here are the three things, but the ingredients for hypnosis to work. Number one, and I'm pleased, this is just in a nutshell. Obviously, I could talk for an hour. Number one, create an emotion and make a suggestion. Create an emotion, make a suggestion. Let's think of a Coca-Cola commercial. A Coca-Cola, think of Cindy Crawford. I'm sorry, I'm dating my... When Cindy Crawford, like <laughs> the emotion, fill in the blank. I don't want to ruin this for you, but Fill in the blank, the emotion you felt when Cindy Crawford came onto that screen drinking Coca-Cola or was it Pepsi? Honestly, I don't even know. But immediately we're drawn in. There we go. Create an emotion, make a suggestion. That's one. Number two, repetition slash rapport. Those commercials play again Mm -hmm. and again. The politicians say the same thing again and again. Religion, same thing again, right? You get my point. That creates rapport because for the human being, that creates familiarity. And anything that is familiar feels good. By the way, Bernie Mm. Madoff, expert in hypnosis. I don't know whether he did it consciously or unconsciously, but brilliantly done. And the last thing for hypnosis to work, authority. Coca-Cola is the authority. And therefore, this is crazy, but when all those three things are in place, we buy, we slip in. We just automatically, Uh, we are seduced. That's how you seduce people.
1: That's fascinating because a lot of people think of the stage show in Vegas. They think, Mm -hmm. oh, I've got to be asleep or I've got to whatever. No, you can be walking around and these things are hitting your subconscious constantly. And it's really the subconscious is what makes it the hypno part, right? The hypnotized. And it's messages going straight to the unconscious or subconscious, same thing right? In my world. Uh, is it yeah. unconscious or conscious? Yeah,
0: to me, they're okay. the same thing. Same yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. James, exactly. You just summarized perfectly.
1: So it's basically messages that bypass the logical thinking yeah. part of your brain. They yeah. call the prefrontal cortex and. If you want to get sciency about it, but it goes straight to the part that yes. gives you urges to act on the information. Urges yep. like opening your wallet and buying whatever it is exactly. they want you to. I've never heard it explained that way, but and now geez, it makes so much sense.
0: If this powerful tool has been used on us for all these years why wouldn't we use them on ourselves for transformation and for change work?
1: I feel like I just broke out of the matrix just now. That's exactly what happened because I'll never unsee what you just described. I'll never unsee it because now I can't. And you just gave a three-minute synopsis of it. I can't imagine what spending a lot of time diving into this deeper with you would bring about for people. Can you give a story of Someone who's just really had a transformation?
0: There's so many of them that sound almost exactly the same. Phobia, believe it or not, is actually very easy to handle. It doesn't take a long time. It's easy. For Mm. example, this woman came to me, fear of flying. Now, keep in mind, this woman hadn't been flying for 20 years Because of this fear. And Mm. this is what I mean when I talk about threshold. She now was at a point in her life, her daughter was graduating from this very prestigious college that there was no way they could drive there. She had to fly. And she's like, There's no way I'm going to miss my daughter's graduation. If I miss that, my daughter will never talk to me. And that is what she said. I was like, Okay, no pressure here. No problem. No pressure.
1: (laughs) You're right. Sure. It's all on you, Susan. Let's make this work.
0: Ruin a family, ruin people's (laughs) lives. Great. We got to the root cause, and sometimes the root cause is like, what? The root cause was she was five years old, sitting there at the kitchen table with her mother, and they were either watching or listening to a program, and it was about a plane crash, and her mother said, I will never fly. Flying is the most dangerous thing. And to that child, that impression, those words went really deep, fast, hard, and boom, installed, done she was hypnotized okay once again point wow and that's when she decided now she did fly but with massive anxiety with tons of tranquilizers and then she was like no i'm that's just too much of a price to pay and her husband was urging please i want to take you on the there were so many opportunities for her to enjoy her life but this limitation absolutely held her back anyhow long story short of mm. course. We helped to overcome this fear and her YouTube video is on my channel. And this is what I mean. How we do anything is how we do everything. Guess what this woman did? She, a couple of weeks later, because I'm like, how's it going? She said, you won't believe what happened. I'm like, what happened? She goes, flying is easy. Oh my God, thank you. We had the best time. That was like, no, no big deal. But she said, I became a lot more assertive at work and I started to speak up more. And I started to actually negotiate with my boss and I started to, and my confidence. And she said, and in my relationship, not only did I become more calm, but I became more loving and I just became a lot more easygoing and calm. And she couldn't believe how this fear, and she didn't consciously realize how this fear, this phobia, because phobia is a fear, how it had impacted her, these different parts until when she liberated This is what I mean by energy is emotion, right? She liberated this energy that had been blocking. Remember when we talked about the people that are blocked and stuck? That's what had been blocking her. She had taken meds. She had gone to psychiatrists, psychologists. She had tried the YouTube free videos. There's so much free stuff out there. And guess what? This is what I often say. I said, people, please. Don't say that it hasn't worked. Maybe it has worked, but it only got you this far. So let's not judge or throw out the baby with the Mm. bathwater. What if it did help you? What if it did cause maybe even some subtle shifts? But what if that shift caused you to come to me? And now you're ready for the next level. Mm. And I just want to share this with your audience. Please stop judging yourself. Please stop. You mentioned the word grace earlier, which is such a beautiful, delicious word. Give yourselves more grace. because. I know. And you have been doing the best you could with what you had. And were you given better tools and skills and abilities? We know we can do better. But what if you didn't know this tool was available?
1: Yeah. And that's why it's good to stay open. What is the best way for people to connect with you, find out more about what you do, and maybe see some of your Facebook Lives, see some of those videos that you mentioned of great transformations? Thanks
0: for asking. A couple of different ways. First of all, my website is Success Mindset by Urban. I know it's a mouthful. Success Mindset by Urban. On there, you also have a link where you can directly connect with me as in booking a complimentary consultation. And all my videos are on there, all my testimonial stories, and much, much more. I am on Facebook, Susan Urban. I also have a private Facebook group that is Success Mindset Secrets for Business Leaders. As well as I'm partnering with my friend and partner Jacqueline, we have another Facebook group that is Peak Performance. Facebook Lives are my favorite way to connect with my audience. And my YouTube channel is, again, Susan Urban. So those are probably the easiest ways. And on my YouTube channel, you will find a couple of hypnosis sessions, again, obviously generalized, but so many people will say Mm -hmm. to me, oh my God, I did your most, most powerful confidence booster hypnosis session online, and it caused this and that. And that's why I say sometimes just a lot of these free things can be that one thing that helps you with a little breakthrough, right?
1: And you get some success and then you want to maybe dive deeper. That's what I've found. Thank you for that. And I'll have all of those links in the show notes for people to connect with you. And thank you so much for this talk. I have a little segment I call four fast facts and it's just four things about you. I didn't send you these because I just wanted to be right off the top of your head and it's about you, but it gives the listeners a little insight into you, but they're fun. So if you're ready, I'm ready. I'll just Let's fire <laughs> fire them off. All right. So when it comes to books, do you prefer paper, Kindle or audio? And what are you audible reading right all now? All the
0: way. I love speed. And to me, speed reading is audible or YouTube videos. And what I am reading in quotation mark right now, believe it or not, and this is something I highly, if you want to dive down the rabbit hole with hypnosis... Right now, I am listening to so much content from David Snyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R. So, no, he doesn't have a book yet, but his free content on YouTube, how workful, interesting, fascinating, entertaining. He is an amazing hypnotist. So, right now, I am reading, in quotation work him and his content.
1: Okay, that's good. I will go mm-hmm. check that out. I just wrote it down. So, thank you for that. If you could eat only one type of food or one meal forever, what would it be? This is
0: torture. <laughs> I love food. No, you can't do this to me, James. No, delete, neglect, gate. Next. Okay, quickly. All right, pizza, sushi. Next. That's it. Oh, pizza
1: would be mine for sure. I like those because pizza, you can make a different True. kind of pizza every day. True. And it's never the same meal twice. Sushi. Yep. Very similar. All right. So, third question Which season is your favorite? Summer all and why? the way.
0: I love heat. I don't understand American people. They will so often judge New York summers. <laughs> like, how could you take the humidity, the heat, and oh, it's sweltering? To me, that's paradise. Heat, hot. I don't care humidity. And, uh, summer all the way.
1: I love it. Oh. it. Spring's mine, but I am in the Southeast. So, just a few hundred miles oh. below you in North Carolina. And it gets hot and humid, and I love it. Final question What is the best advice you've ever received from someone?
0: Trust yourself. Trust yourself.
1: That's beautiful. And that's really powerful. And that is your message through and through. Thank so you. Thank you. For that. Thank
0: you, James. This was such a pleasure. And my mission is to empower people and to show them and to give them tools that can lead to rapid transformations. And I hope I did that today. So. Thank you so much for the opportunity.
1: You absolutely did that. And I really do appreciate your time, your insights, and all of your positive words. I hope to have another conversation with you again. James,
0: thank you for this massive opportunity. So much love toward you and your community. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. Thank
1: you. Thank you so much for joining me today. And be sure to come back next week. Oh, and can I ask a favor? I love connecting with people who have either led their own joyful rebellion or professionals who help others through that journey. So if you know someone like that, there's a big yellow button on the homepage at ajoyfulrebellion.com. I'd really appreciate you reaching out with a suggestion or introduction. Thanks again, and I'll see you back here next week.